I want to talk about Friday. Friday's show was really tough for me because we played some of the audio excerpts from a four-hour interview with uh, the Toronto van attacker, the accused, in that van attack and uh, a Toronto police detective. And it was hard to hear. It was off-putting because he was so matter-of-fact about, you know, uh, what he did, how he did it, that he accomplished his mission. A lot of people are saying... Um, that when he goes to trial next year, it's possible that the defense, the only defense that they could use is not criminally responsible. Here to talk about it, Stephen Hebsher is a criminal defense lawyer. He has experience dealing with clients and with mental illness, also sits on the Ontario Review Board, and they do deal with people who are found not criminally responsible. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Kelly. Stephen, to be deemed not criminally responsible, what has to happen and what does that actually mean? Uh, Section 16 of the Criminal Code says that if somebody uh, does not have the capacity to understand what they were doing was wrong and they suffer from a mental disorder, which causes them to not have that capacity, then they can be found not criminally responsible. Did you watch any of the footage for that four-hour interview or read any of the transcripts with the van attacker? Only a small amount, so I'm not comfortable commenting on the specific case, but I can just answer questions generally speaking about the NCR defense and other issues that you might want to talk about. Okay, well, there are a lot of people that say that there you know, aren't a lot of ways to go. In order to be found uh, not criminally responsible, you have to kind of be unaware that what you're doing is, is wrong. Is that correct? That's correct. But you have to suffer from a mental disorder or a psychiatric illness that causes you, for the most part, to be psychotic or delusional or be in a state of affairs where you're um, detached from reality to some extent. And how many professionals have to deem that you are suffering from a mental illness? It's more a matter of what the judge decides or the jury decides. In this case, it's a judge alone, I understand. Mm -hmm. But you need at least one forensic psychiatrist, I would think, to be able to say that on the the basis of the evidence in the case, interviewing the accused and the testing that's done, uh, whether or not the accused uh, may have a defense on a balance of probabilities of not criminally responsible. When you, uh, I know you want to try and stay away from this Alec uh, Manazian case. He was the accused in the in the van attack, but um, you're a criminal defense lawyer. You are uh, going for a not criminally responsible um, uh, verdict. Yeah, how are you uh, approaching that um, when you're dealing with just a judge as opposed to a jury? That's a difficult question because uh, a judge might be uh, presumed to know the law and understand the intricacy of psychiatric evidence and testimony and assessments, et cetera, and therefore might have a better understanding and be able to make a more informed decision. However, juries also uh, most of the time are going to be deciding these cases because uh, the default position is that a murder case is going to be done in front of a jury unless the Crown consents. So it's really hard to say in any given case whether it's better to do in front of a judge or a jury, but for the most part, the uh, defense lawyer doesn't really get a choice in the matter. If you were you know, on a case like this, do you sit down as a criminal defense lawyer and take a good hard look, You know, play, rewind, stop um, the I- investigation with the, the police through that interview, like the four-hour interview that we saw the other day? How much does that um, actually inform your decision in going for the not criminally responsible defense? 
I think it's quite important because a psychiatrist is going to look at that and um, the Crown, of course, is going to ask for an assessment, a court-ordered assessment, and the psychiatrist that is uh, does the assessment for the court is going to look at that interview because it's so close in time to when the incident occurred. But one also has to look at any of his behaviour leading up to the incident as well as his behaviour at the time to see if there's any evidence of a mental illness, a psychotic illness, something that shows he's detached from reality. You need something more than that. You need to be able to show that that illness and the belief system that the person has, the delusional belief. I think we just lost you. Are you there, Stephen? I think we just lost Stephen. Can we try and get that that line up again there, Chris? All right. Chris is going to try and get that. We're clearly having some uh, technical uh, difficulties with this. But um, what we're talking about is the fact that there's uh, there are several experts that say that the Toronto van attacker, the defense could be going for a not criminally responsible defense or designation where the uh, van attacker is concerned. Um, and, and we were just talking with... Uh, our guest about and when he's back on the on the line good to have you back I, you were talking about how um if you are not criminally responsible and you're going for that designation you have to kind of um prove that they were detached from reality is that at the time like or do they at the time of the event that they have to you have to prove that they've been detached from reality and suffering some sort of uh mental episode Absolutely, but the evidence surrounding that before the incident, the person's psychiatric history, behavior that they might have, Could, uh, that it might have been observed for weeks, days, months, hours before that is all going to be informative of that. So, you know, there's some people saying, well, you know, the fact that it's premeditated and he admits and he says, you know, within that um, interrogation that it was premeditated, that that would show that he's not suffering from a mental illness. Is that correct? Or could you have an NCR designation um, or defense that's built on the fact that, yeah, it was premeditated, but he, he, he had been dealing with a mental illness throughout that time period? It makes it much more difficult because it shows that the, that the behavior is more intentional and that the person had thought about it beforehand. And unless their thinking process is really uh, a part of their delusional disorder, a part of their belief system that's not based on reality, then it could be very difficult to establish the defense of not criminally responsible. People have I've heard a lot about people getting away from CAMH that, you know, have this. I knew you were going to ask that one. The NCR designation. Well, of course, I have to go there because that's what people in their cars are wondering. Would mm-hmm. would we be worried about someone like Manazian being housed in a place like that if he's deemed uh, not criminally responsible? Well, I think you've got to look at these as, as isolated incidents because it's not very con- not very often that someone who's at CAMH is going to escape, so to speak. Normally what happens is, depending on the person's the security level that they're in, the person would get certain passes onto the hospital grounds, first of all, escorted or accompanied by staff, and then if they do well there, they just move up in terms of their privileges. So it's usually very cautiously done by the hospital so that the person is not a risk to the public, because that's really what the NCR, uh, that's really what the uh, hospital and the Ontario Review Board takes into consideration. What's the risk of that person to the public of committing some kind of violent act or or something that could cause serious psychological harm to somebody. So they're very cognizant of that. The odd time is going to happen because in terms of risk, the only way you can determine whether somebody is a risk is you have to give them additional privileges over time. They have to prove it. So you do it very carefully, and it's a very careful process they call cascading.
of privileges. Stephen, I wish I had more time with you, but uh, unfortunately, uh, we had a little drop in our phone line there, and now I'm out of time on the show. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you, Kelly. Have a nice day. You as well. That's Stephen Hepsher, who's a criminal defense lawyer.